Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malanson, Dan, Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Craig. What's going on, man? Man, just had a great weekend of baseball. Beautiful weather, as you can probably see by my forehead. I'm red as can be, and I should have put a little sunscreen on. Probably should have put a hat on, but at the same time, I love the sunshine. Well, I was going to say, you must have a pretty good relationship with Matt Deggs to be doing this from the outfield of Teague Moore. <laughs> well, you know... Me and Matt are pretty close, so no, not, <laughs> no, Matt's a good guy, uh, don't understand him some of the times, but hey, I don't think I understand any coach all of the time. Oh, I don't understand Rodney Head at three quarters of the time, but somehow it's worked out this year. <laughs> you know, it, well, that's for a whole nother discussion on another day, talking about coaches' philosophy, because everybody's got a different one, and everybody grew up on baseball in a different way, per se. So, uh, and you've seen a ton of baseball, so you probably got take a little bit from each step along the way. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to win games. There's a lot of different ways to lose games. And I'll talk about Arkansas state from that series that we just finished up for a team that came in having lost 10 in a row. I think we saw how much things have gone wrong for them because if they had, even a couple more options out of their bullpen. That's a team that would not be in the situation that they are, but they were down their closer this weekend. And then for the finale, they didn't have their catcher. They didn't have their first baseman and still probably should have won the game if it wasn't for that insane two-out rally that Georgia Southern put together. But on the same side with the Eagles being able to find ways to win games, and I jokingly said that to Coach Hennon earlier this week about how this team is just figuring it out. And I said that the motto for this team should be find a way. Now, I don't know how it's going to work out going on the road for the next two weekends, but this group, the personality, the execution on the field, for whatever reason, it's really worked so far. So remind me again, I know you, you said you hit the road for the next two weekends. Is that, is that two load, long road trips again? I know you're coming to the, uh, Louisiana next weekend. Yeah, those are probably two of our longer ones, going to Teague this coming weekend, then going to San Marcos the weekend after, after a midweek home game against Kennesaw. So that's that's not just two long trips, but those are two of the most, if not the most important trips you could toss in South Alabama and Mobile if you want to. But from a standpoint of seeing teams that we haven't played series against for a couple of years, the familiarity may not be completely there. I mean, the Eagles and Cajuns saw each other in the right. tournament last year and in 2019, but as far as Texas State, Georgia Southern Bobcats haven't played in three years. So oh, those really? rosters are probably quite a bit different from the last time that they faced off. Well, you bring up Texas State. Let's uh, we're going to go back to Arkansas State in a little bit, but Texas State. Um, good weekend of baseball there, too, it looked like. With, I mean, but Coastal is giving up a lot of runs, it looks like. I mean, ULM, it was a 17-17 game tie. And then this weekend, uh, Coastal and, and Texas State put up a lot of numbers. Texas State gave up or uh, put up 13 on uh, Coastal on Sunday. So I know you're a scoreboard watcher as well as Jay and all the other guys. Talk a little bit about that, what you saw. It just seems like the same Coastal team that we've known since they've come into the league, the pitching isn't as good yet, but they're just still going to try to outslug you. And they think they've got their horses with the preseason player of the year and Eric Brown. It's good that they got Dale Thomas back after that scary hit by pitch against ULM. I know Zach Beach and Johnson can hit them a long way. 
they are going to be able to score about seven to eight runs per game, regardless of who they pitch. And they have to because their starters have been just okay. Even though Reed Van Scoder was really good in that second game, he went seven and two thirds shutout. But even against the bullpen, Texas State almost came back and won that game. So they could have just as easily swept the series. But Coastal's probably thinking, well, hey, we did enough to take two out of three on the road from a team that's top 20 in the country right now. But I would think for Coastal, they've got to find some stability in that bullpen. You could say that for a number of teams in this league. I I'm, I'm, don't know what to think about Texas State yet. I know that they've been able to string some wins together, and they've started off really well in conference play, tied with the Eagles for first place going into the third weekend. But it seems it's very similar to Georgia Southern. They've got an older team. They've got a good collection of talent. It seems like they've gotten some guys that are finally healthy, and their pitching is as good as it has been in probably a couple of years, especially the bullpen. You could say that Tristan Stivers is the best closer in the league, if not the best overall reliever in the league through the first, I would say, two months of the season. Yeah, that that I, I'm a after this weekend, I'm a very big believer in Texas State right now. I, I think they've they've got a, a well rounded team with everything they're doing uh the same thing uh when i say i'm a little bit shocked I, well I, a little bit shocked is not the word for what the cages in, in, in south alabama did but texas state um i just believe what they're doing right now is is they're playing good baseball they're always a sound team um i'm looking forward to watching them a little bit more through the season it's they were the preseason favorite last year, and then they tanked. It just did not go well. They didn't hit. They didn't get enough pitching. They had they had some guys that threw okay, but they just could not get the proper run support. But this year, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. They swept Ohio State. They took two of three on the road against number 11 Arizona, one in Austin against number one Texas. They went on the road and swept Arkansas State. And then this past weekend, even though Coastal Carolina has probably dipped a little bit, since that 2018-2019 run where they won the championships. I, I don't know if they're the same caliber. I think they can still score, but I don't know if they put the fear in you like some of those teams were, and they could, of course, find their stroke, and they could start pitching better, and they could easily ascend to the top of the league just because of the way that they can score. But if Coastal doesn't find a way to pitch, then they're going to be barely over 500. It's, it's going to be a very similar team to last year. Texas State, though, I'm anxious for that series in two weeks just to see how Georgia Southern stacks up, and there's a lot to take care of between now and then. Oh, let me see. I might have to pause here. Okay. Sorry about that, everyone. A uh, little little issue on the internet here. I don't know if it's me or Danny. I'll blame it on me since uh, he's the guest, but I, it's probably him, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, Danny, we were talking about Coastal. You talked about Coastal's pitching. Is it one of those things with Coastal that their their pitching is just young, or is it, or is it just inexperienced, or is it, or is it just that they're not, I guess, very good right now? They've got the preseason player of the year, so they've certainly have been able to attract talent. They're going through a staff change. Drew Thomas was their pitching coach for a long time with Gary Gilmore, but now bringing in Jason Beverly, who not only was the former head coach at Bethune Cookman, but he was an assistant here at Georgia Southern for a number of years. The amount of offense they lost from the 1920 until 21 was pretty staggering, but nobody saw them in 20 because of COVID. We knew that they had dropped a lot off that 19 championship team who hit their way through the tournament after losing that first game in dramatic fashion to UT Arlington on the walk-off. 
I don't know that they're the same kind of offensively punched team. They're capable and their starters are okay. Their bullpen is okay. That you can't be okay when you're at Coastal. You're six years removed from a national championship. That's not their standard. They can't have a bunch of parts of the game that are just okay because if it stays that way, their season is going to be just okay despite all of the potential that's on that roster. Yeah, they were actually here in Lafayette when the uh, when the when when the season got shut down because of COVID. So um, let's go back quickly to Arkansas State. You guys saw them this weekend. You talked about it a little bit, and Jay always talks about you don't want to see an Arkansas State team at the end of the season. And uh, it looks like they've got a, several guys hurt, several key players hurt. So if they become healthy again, is that a team that can make a little noise in the conference tournament? I know we're a long ways from the conference tournament. Don't, don't get me wrong, but is, is that a team you think gets better as the season goes on as usual? Yeah, I like their lineup. Their starting pitching is going to have to do a lot for them until they get their bullpen fully healthy with their closer. Kevin Wiseman didn't pitch at all last week. He's been dealing with some back issues. They had a couple of other guys with some nagging things. They got Phillip Bryant back. He pitched on Friday. He had some forearm issues. They tried to use everybody they could, but not having that closer, especially for yesterday, you saw where it hampered them when the Eagles got five straight guys on with two outs and wanted on a walk-off hit by pitch, which I don't know that I've seen before. I probably have, but I can't can't think of one at this moment where a game ended with a walk-off hit by pitch, but the lineup that the league is going to see, Daedra Kale is a guy that played third base in high school, was a two-sport athlete, was actually offered by Arkansas State to play quarterback, but he's playing second base this year because Ben Klutz is so good at third. They got to get his bat in the lineup. I was really impressed by him. He gives them a lot of physicality. That's not something you usually expect out of a second baseman. They moved him into the leadoff spot for that Wednesday game against Southern Illinois, and I think that he's going to stay there for a while. He just has the ability to not only get on base, but he can do so with extra base hits. He hits the ball with force. You guys have seen Jalen DeShazer for five years now. You know what you're going to get out of him. The fact that he only has two extra base hits this show this year, though, is weird. He still leads the team in RBIs, but I think he just needs to find a way to split some gaps. But he still hits the ball hard. We already talked about Ben Klutz. They're playing with two true freshman middle infielders. The shortstop, Will French, is a switch hitter. He's from Jonesboro, from nearby Valley View High School, just a couple of miles away from Tomlinson Stadium. I think they've got some nice pieces. But, but Jared Tolder, the first baseman, he was ill on Sunday. He played sick on Saturday but couldn't go for the finale. Case and Tollett, their catcher, has been bothered by a hamstring strength so that's why he only played once this weekend their outfield seems to be a revolving door in right but Eli Davis is a guy that's back in to play center field and with DeShazer and right they've got a number of options at DH they can hit they can hit the ball it's just something about getting to late games where they have difficulty getting those final nine outs and if they had consistency there they would have won two of the three games it's great that Georgia Southern swept but if they could have gotten through the end of the game they would have easily won two of those games yeah, we head up there in two weeks, and I think everything you say is, is is right on target, and especially when you head to Jonesboro, difficult place to play. It seems for some reason the wind is always doing something in the wrong yeah. direction for the visiting team. So We were out there last year. It was May, and the Eagles were playing really well in Arkansas State. was kind of getting to that late part of the season where they usually play a lot better. We just didn't know yet. Their starting pitching was doing okay at that point, but they just pitched. They played defense. Georgia Southern could not find any gaps. They played phenomenally well, especially with their outfield defense, and the Eagles were lucky to get that finale 
winning by a score of three to two, thanks to having Nick Jones <laughs> and don't have any more because he's now with the Angels after leading the country in saves last year. But I would anticipate that as the season goes on, Arkansas State is going to figure some things out. And they're they're not a four and 17 team. I know that's a really cliche thing to say, but all they need is a little bit of stability in that bullpen. And they are going to be just fine as we're going down the stretch. Well, back to the team we all love to hate, or at least the university. I know Georgia State, new coach uh, two years ago or three years ago now? Two years ago. Two years ago. Uh, seems to be playing better ball. They don't have that killer schedule that they had last year. Um, go up to ULM. What What did you see there? I mean, it looked like some close games, probably some fun games. Seemed to be pretty evenly matched. I know Georgia State got off to a great start, sweeping Little Rock at home to open conference play. But for ULM, they were within a whisker of taking two out of three from Coastal, only to have the guilt time come in when they were tied 17-17 at game three. I was impressed to see them win the first two games, especially on a walk-off home run by Travis Washburn. They're not a big home run hitting team. They're a gap-to-gap team. They're a speed team, a stolen base team, where if they can get into their game, they create chaos, they create havoc, and defensively and pitching, it can be tough to go against them. It seems like they're starting to get it together a little bit. Pitching-wise, you'll get what you get out of them. They've got some depth in their bullpen because they've got so many guys back from last year. And then with Georgia State, it's an experienced offense, but guys that are doing some different things. We mentioned last week that Will Mize has not been the everyday starter on the infield that we expected. He's only started 12 games so far, but they're still hitting. Cameron Jones has been a mainstay in that lineup in addition to pitching in the back end of that bullpen. So I would think that Georgia State's probably got a little bit of a reality check going on the road. I'm, I'm sure they thought they were going to take the series against ULM, but the Warhawks held up on home field and won a couple of close games. Well, I, I think uh, ULM is a team that, that will continue to get better as the season goes on. I think the Sun Belt is playing some really good baseball right now, and I hope it's not a case of uh, mediocre teams playing mediocre teams looking good. I hope it's good teams that are good teams that are getting better as the season goes on. Well, Warren Nolan agrees with the fact that this is an improved league because you got six of the top 61 of RPI in the Sun Belt. Well, that's a that's a credit to the teams going out and scheduling properly too, as well. I mean, not just not just winning, but winning against some good teams. I mean, with y'all, you beat a, a Georgia team once or twice. I'm trying to remember. I, I know both games were close, if nothing else. Uh, got the first game. The first game was neutral site in the minor league ballpark in North Augusta, South Carolina. Won that game. They came to Statesboro, won five to one. So we're headed up there for tomorrow for a midweek rubber game. But with wins over Georgia, over Georgia Tech, a Mercer team who took two of three from Utah last weekend on the road, they're back in the top 30, the RPI. So that helped the Eagles. And then with those victories over UCF and Jacksonville already this season. Well, Danny, I called to Charleston was about 200 or so. You still need to hold up and you still need to win those games at home. And the Eagles did. That's why they went 4-0 this week. Good deal. Uh, let's see. Troy and UTA, how surprised are you of that? I mean, that was a little bit shocking to me with uh, Troy losing two out of three. Is that correct? Yes. And Danny is. Now it's. You got me here or no? I see you kind of breaking up there. Your head's moving yeah. slowly. All right. I said, hold on. 
Sorry once again, but we're back with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, we uh, when when we when we got cut off there a little bit, Troy and UTA. How surprised were you, at Troy, losing two out of three to UTA? Well, after taking three from the Cajuns at home, you know Troy's ballpark is conducive to some offensive numbers with doubles alley and that short porch out in right right and right center. But yeah, I was I was definitely surprised, especially by game one, considering that UTA has so many new parts, not just with their offense, but also moving around their pitching. David Moffitt was a weekend starter last year. Now he's closing for him again. Tanner King was one of the top relievers in the league last year, but now he's in that Friday role. The second game is one that we were following after game two of this series. Troy hit a three-run home run from Kyle Mock in the top of the ninth inning in that game to take a one-run lead. But their bullpen, which is usually pretty solid, didn't hold it. UTA got him loaded with nobody out and then scored two runs without much trouble to walk off. And I know Troy got the series finale victory. Rigsby Mosley hit a three-run home run. And somebody that has been in this league for teams like 10 years, and they had that with Drew Frederick, who was in this league for six years. He got the bonus year because of COVID. And you, just, you, you, you see these guys for so long, and you feel like they're on your own team. And thankfully, you only have to worry about Mosley for three games, maybe if you see him in the tournament. But they always have the ability to hit, especially if you've got to deal with them at home. If you can get to that bullpen, though, you'll have some success. I think they have a pretty firm hold on what their starters are going to be. Garrett Gaines was the freshman of the year last year when he went nine and one. And then the back portion going to Bay Witcher. I, I, the bullpen usually is pretty solid for them with guys like Oates. But it seems that if you can get them in the late innings, you've got a chance. But don't let their starter settle in because you may not get the chance to get that bullpen. Good deal. Finally, uh, Cajuns in South Alabama. I tell you, uh, I'm sure you guys were following along uh, with with all the games. I know you do. But, man, that was a very fun series. And this reminded me of what Cajun uh, in Jaguar baseball was all about. Two tough teams. Attitude 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 on both teams um it, it it was intense it was beautiful baseball even the game that we lost i can say it it was it was good baseball oh we got a little pause there to hear jay and top talk about the crowd and the the atmosphere and how it felt like old times. And it should be that way because that is the best baseball rivalry in this league. I'd love to say that Georgia Southern has cultivated some rivalry since coming in. But when you speak baseball in this league, it is South Alabama, it is Louisiana, whether it's in Mobile or whether it's at Teague Field, those look like three really good games in the finale to score the decisive runs in the bottom of the seventh inning and be able to get to a Jaguar bullpen, which you could have made a case was the best in the league last year. They had multiple guys that could go multiple innings. That's why they were within an eyelash of winning that regional last year after taking the conference tournament championship. But that's, that's, a, that's a meaningful thing for the Cajuns after getting swept to be able to hold up, taking two out of three from the preseason favorite. And I know you got to go on the road to go to Arkansas State after facing the Eagles this coming weekend. But this is this is a fact-finding week for a lot of teams in this league. It's just the third week of 10 conference weekends. But I think that this is where you're going to start to find out who is who because you've got the Eagles going on the road to a place they haven't played in five years. And all across the league, everybody is looking to set their feet in the ground and show exactly who they are. You know, that South Alabama Cajun rivalry goes back to the early 90s when we met in a uh... – NCAA tournament in Baton Rouge. And then the following year, the uh, Jaguars joined the Sun Belt. And I think it's been game on since then with fights. I mean, brawls. 
I mean, we've had everything in this league and in the last couple of years, because of whether it be because of COVID or just the teams weren't, the teams weren't where they needed to be baseball wise. Uh, last year, South Alabama was uh, at the end of the season, but the teams just weren't where they needed to be that we're used to. And this was, this was a punch out. This was a, this was a fight split decision. Love the weekend. I know there wasn't a question there. Sorry. I had to catch my breath because I was getting excited. <laughs> well, it looked like really good crowds. And I know that most of the time there are, but I'm, I'm really excited about this weekend. We haven't been down for a game there since 2018, the tournament that year at the Teague and that series there in 17 where Georgia Southern was able to win two out of the three. I can, it, it was, it was different that weekend because at that point you guys were still doing the renovations to the press box. So we were outside on tables. I was tilted to the left of home plate. Jay was off to the right of home plate. So to be outside for that series was one thing, but to be outside for the seventh inning stretch and hear everybody around you singing center field, that was a different dimension to it. And that's one that we talk about a bunch on our podcast and broadcast, and we'll get a chance to experience it this weekend. Yeah, JT Crabtree told uh, told us after the game on Friday night, he, he told his uh, producer, do not come back with any music. He turned up his crowd mic and just let it play until we were ready to play baseball again with the crowd singing center field. Now, if we can just get rid of Sweet Caroline and replace it with just about any song, we would be, uh, we would have a perfect ballpark. That is a battle that you can fight on your own. I'm not going to fight that. I know. Um, I'm just, it's not, it's not original. Center field is original. And, and, And it's funny to see, I shouldn't say funny, it's interesting to see parents of kids by the time Austin Perrin's mom up there singing center field, clapping her hands and not looking at the scoreboard for the words and knowing every word to the song, you know, it's just awesome. Danny, How's our guy Tim doing? Oh, go ahead. How's our guy Tim doing? Oh, he, he's mad at me because I didn't invite him over Saturday night. So <laughs> why did you invite him over? What's going on? You mad at him? Oh no. He, I said, well, you didn't invite me to eat crawfish. No, we had a small group over Saturday night, just, uh, and, and enjoyed an evening. And, uh, and, and it wasn't, it was I just, it was just a small group and, and I'm okay. going like, you know, Saturday is one of those things that after the game, because it's usually, well, this, this past Saturday was a two o'clock game. So it was, it was early enough for the parents to take their sons out to dinner and everything. So I didn't want to bother all the parents. I wanted them to enjoy their times with their time with their son because they don't see him much on the weekend. So, Fair enough. and, uh, now this Saturday's game is a four o'clock start. So, uh, we may have to set out at Santa's RV and have a, a cocktail or two after the game. If, if the weather cooperates, we may be able to arrange a meeting. Yes. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk the upcoming week of baseball. You've been listening to Craig Malos on Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Welcome back into We're Talking Today, Craig Malosaw and Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, upcoming week, we talked about a little bit earlier. You guys are headed up to Athens. Talk about that ball club. How good is Georgia? I mean, I know you guys had, I, I, and some people won't say a 5-1 to game was close. I consider that good baseball and close game. I don't know the details of the game, 
but you know, you, you, you beat them in a neutral side game. Now you're heading up there. Talk about that Georgia team a little bit. Yeah, they got a lot of guys back from their offense last year. They they folded a little bit down the stretch. They did not make the NCAA regionals first time in a few years. They had a play-in game against LSU just to get into the SEC tournament. They beat LSU, but then they kind of got shafted when LSU was the team that got the nod to go to the NCAA regionals, even though it turned out to work out because they got all the way to the Supers before losing to Tennessee and the balls went back to Omaha for the first time in a while. But Georgia is a team with older guys. They've got their twins, Connor and Cole Tate, who it seems hit every time they go to the plate. Cole Tate's their shortstop, but he's been out the last couple of games with injuries, so they've had to move around three or four different parts of their infield where they move one guy, another guy's got to move, another guy's got to move. So they've been dealing with platoons at short, third, first, and right over the last four games. Their pitching has not been consistent, even though they've got a ton of experience back. They've got one of the better pitchers in the country in Jonathan Cannon. Not going to have to worry about seeing him tomorrow. But I, I honestly don't know who they're going to throw in this game because they had to use so many guys over the weekend. They lost two out of three in, in Lexington to Kentucky. They are 18-6. and six. They are a top 25 team. But I think I've said this before talking about Georgia. The Eagles believe they're a better team than the Bulldogs because they've shown it on the field. Having won six of the last eight meetings, they've won two in a row up in Athens. They I think it was six to three back in 2020 before the shutdown. And then last year, Christian Avan hits a two-out home run on the ninth for a 2-1 victory. Nick Jones got the save in the bottom half. But it doesn't seem to matter to the Eagles, whoever Georgia has in the lineup, whoever they're pitching. This was something that became a midweek series. It was a weekend series for, I want to say, seven years, but it moved to the midweek in 2020. So Georgia and Georgia Tech could play on the weekends instead of doing midweek. They thought it would be better to do it that way. They play a game in Athens, they play a game in Atlanta, and then they play a game in the minor league park in Lawrenceville where the Gwinnett Stripers, the AAA team, plays. So that's how they do that now. And in the midweek, the Eagles are able to arrange it where it's a game in Statesboro, a game in Athens, and then a game at another minor league park. This year is the first year that they've been able to arrange all three since 2020. But I, I don't know who either team is going to throw, but the way Georgia Southern is swinging it and the way that they're believing right now, I'm not sure that it matters. We've just got to find out who's going to be better over the course of nine innings tomorrow night. You know, it's one of those things that I know a couple of years back, we were we were scheduled, originally scheduled to play LSU once at home, once in Baton Rouge, and once in New Orleans, uh, similar to what you guys are doing with Georgia. And I, I would love for that to happen, and maybe with the new baseball coach over at LSU, that will happen. But back, you mentioned Tennessee. When you guys first came in, uh, the opening weekend, you kind of got bitch slapped by Tennessee. But now now that we look at it, that's a pretty damn good Tennessee team. I am. I watched some of their game the other night, and they're, they're very, very impressive. Yeah, to go to Oxford in front of three sellout crowds and sweep Ole Miss in pretty dominant fashion, they're, they're the number one team in the country. That's going to be coming out a little bit later on today. I don't know that Georgia Southern was ready for the onslaught that they saw those first three games of the season. If they met now, I don't know that it would be a ton difference because that's how good Tennessee is with their pitching and their offense. But I do think that the Eagles would be better prepared if they got another shot against the Vols. But great for Tony Vitello to build the team that he has. He's got a former Georgia Southern pitcher and Chase Dolander in his weekend rotation who has gotten healthy. He's found a lot of success so far. If they can keep doing what they're doing, they could have one of the best seasons in college baseball history. I know we're not quite halfway through it yet, but the way that they are trending, that is a really tough team to beat. 
they they look like they're the complete team with hitting, uh, pitching, and relief pitching. They've got some they've got some studs. I was impressed. I I did not. I knew looking. I'm a I'm a numbers guy, so I knew statistically looking at them, they were they were in the top twenty or the top ten even in most categories of hitting and pitching. But to see them play and to see the physicality of the team was very very impressive. Now they've got home run potential. Every spot in their lineup, their pitching has really improved. They've got a very good bullpen. Redmond Walsh is somebody that's been in that back end for several years. Kirby Cannell is a lefty that they go to consistently. It's, it's a very tough team to figure out, even if you can get them early. The fact that they can get guys on and hit the three run and the grand slam, it's they're never out of any game just because they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Man, I, it's just – I'm just so happy to have baseball back in, in college baseball specifically and uh now with the espn plus uh and in the networks that are out there it is i'm so happy to be able to see a lot of college baseball just wish that we could figure out a way to play on monday and thursday night so i didn't have to take a break what's so. been good in statesboro is this has been the best attended season since georgia southern got to the Sun Belt. the attendance numbers have been outstanding already had four crowds of Better than 2,000, that's not something that we've been able to talk about for a number of years. Part of it is because the Eagles are having a really good start to their season. Part of it is the weather has most of the time cooperated, and I think people just want to get outside and not have to worry about socially distancing or yep. being shut in or not avoiding people that they were around, friends, family, whatever. Just getting a chance to be outside and be able to experience instead of you know, looking out of, a, out of a window, you know, that image of the rain falling on the window. Oh, can I be outside? And again, but I think we're finally, finally past all that. Yeah, sure. Listen, we're talking Craig Malas on Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, Georgia State and Mercer, I, I'm not going to go into every game, but you, I believe you mentioned Mercer earlier in the first segment as yeah. a pretty good team there. Is that something that, is that going to be a good game? Is that going to be something we might want to watch as Cajun That's, fans or Sunbelt fans? Yeah. Yeah, that's one you're going to want to keep an eye on. Mercer's 20 and 5. They're a top 30 RPI team. It's, it is midweek baseball, so you never truly know what you're going to get. But in that ballpark, in Macon, it is a very short porch to right center field, so you can earn some cheap home runs. It's very short to right field. The ball really jumps to that part of the ballpark. That's why Mercer is consistently top 10 in the country in a number of different offensive categories. What's made the difference for them so far is their pitching. But as far as midweek, they could structure things a little bit differently, knowing that they're about to get into the throes of Southern Conference play. That is always a difficult team. If you can get them early because they have some – where most teams have struggles with their bullpen, Mercer doesn't necessarily have set starters. They like to go with a hot hand approach. but. Okay. They score so much where they can offset that. And with that short ballpark, you're a couple of swings away from taking a deficit and making a lead. But as well as Georgia State has played, that's a big game for them because they could knock down a top 30 RPI team on the road. I'm, I'm look, This one interests me a little bit, and, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but UNC Asheville, I don't know anything about them so um, or much about them. I know, I know the university, but I don't know the, if they're any good at baseball. But they're playing in Hickory, North Carolina, about two hours down the mountain from uh, App State. Is is that something? I mean, I, I like the idea of playing these 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 neutral site games for midweek. It looks like it's it's fun. I mean, it, it's good for both teams, in my opinion. What what do you know? You know anything about UNC Asheville? It, it, Georgia Southern played them back in 2018, took two free at J.I. Clements. It's a program that struggled for a number of years. They do have a big South championship. That's been quite a while. The, it, I, from what I remember, they can hit a little bit, but their pitching has really struggled. 
the the opportunity though to play they play a midweek game in a minor league park at the home of the Hickory Crawdads and taking on Appalachian State, a team that just went on the road and took two out of three from Little Rock. They're going to find out some things about themselves, and that's a fairly regional rivalry, even though it's tough to get anywhere when you're in Boone. But to be able to play that game in Hickory, that's that's fairly reasonable travel for both. You know, one thing. Uh... The, um, I'm looking at the uh, Southland Conference standings. The Cajuns head over to Southeastern, which is always a tough place to play over there. I'm just noticing that uh, Southeastern has lost their last seven games, but I would not count count them out in a midweek game against the Cajuns. So, um, man, I don't know that you want a team that's coming off a, a seven-game losing streak either, though. Well, the, you, I just saw a team that was off a 10-game losing streak, and they could have easily ended that Friday. They probably should have ended it yesterday. And for the Cajuns, having just picked up a very important series victory against South, you've got to see how a team handles success. Now, Georgia Southern, fortunately, has backed into some wins to get to 17-7, and seven, and I know that they've got the Cajuns this weekend, and that's a whole other discussion. But for Louisiana, having just beaten the Jaguars two out of three at home, You've got two games to prep you for the weekend, but you've got to handle success the right way. You've got to have. Oh, we lost you again there, Danny. Hopefully. Uh, and be able to have some guys live up to the Bo Bond standard. Yep. Yeah, uh, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, give you some uh games here not that we need to talk about each one but if there's something that stands out please chime in i mean i think they got some good matchups uh uta is at baylor sam houston state and texas state in-state rivalry there uh little rock arkansas uh ulm at lsu uh and we've talked about the other ones so anything that stands out there or, or intrigues you well, the point we talked about last week with our Texas schools is that their midweek schedules are typically brutal just because of the schools that surround them. So that's why when you get a UT Arlington team that's right around or maybe a little bit below 500 at the end of the season, you don't exactly know how good they are. But we saw last year that that team was very talented. That might have been Darren Thomas's best team. I know they did go to a championship game a couple of years ago, but they've got to play so many power five teams. They've got to play high RPI teams. The same for Texas State. Bobcats have been more successful with those 20 wins already. They just took that series from Coastal. Be nice to see if ULM could keep it rolling against LSU, having to go down to the Bayou. And this, this is just the point of the season where if you can get on track, it doesn't matter who it's against. Like last year, I'll go back to the Eagles. They had dropped two out of three at Georgia State, a team that wasn't as good yet, but they played well enough to win that series over Easter weekend. So the Eagles were 13 and 13. They had to go to Georgia that Tuesday. That's when they got the two to one win. That was the taking off point. Won their next eight games. They were very good for about a month and a half before they hit the May swoon. And it feels like this is the time of the year where most teams in the league either have to go one of two ways. They're either take off or they struggle. And if then, then you see it on the other side. If you're taking off, then you've got to be able to be consistent all the way through the rest of the season, then to the conference tournament. If you struggle, then you need some of that May magic like Arkansas State has found under Tommy Raffo to give yourself a chance at the conference tournament. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at the schedule on, on Wednesday. I know the Cajuns are scheduled to go to UNO, but at the same time, don't think that game's going to happen. It's, uh, it's about a 90% chance of rain on Wednesday, both in Lafayette and in New Orleans. Uh, 
the other, uh, but I noticed that Little Rock plays two up at Arkansas Tuesday, Wednesday, and Coastal Carolina heads to Wake Forest. Is that a Wake Forest team that Coastal should be worried about? Or are they going to be able to slug their way out of a midweek game? You know, Wake is very good this year, but Coastal's already beaten them in the midweek this season in Conway. And I forgot about the Little Rock and Arkansas. That's that's a series that just started a couple of years ago because yep. Arkansas has had, long had that policy where they wouldn't play any in-state schools. I know they're playing Arkansas State in football finally, but that's not until 2025. But the fact that they are finally playing in-state schools in a number of sports is a pretty big deal. And it's nice that the Trojans have a double midweek up in Fayetteville. Uh, you're listening to, to We're Talking, Craig Moloss on Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny, let's go Let's go into the, the weekend. Uh, I'm looking here at uh, some, some intriguing matchups. I won't say overpower on either side, but South Alabama, Georgia State. I mean, that could be uh, the, the Jaguars after coming to Lafayette are headed to Atlanta. So back-to-back weekends on the road in two different directions, heading west, now heading east. Is that the Georgia State team that can take, take a – a game or two from South Alabama? Yeah, I think they can take a game, but I think South Alabama is a complete team. I think they've got the offense where early last season they didn't hit enough. They did at the end of the season, but despite losing Ethan Wilson, they have reloaded. Miles Simington is off to a fantastic start, one of the league leaders in RBI. Santi Montiel is a great shortstop for them. Their pitching is what separates them. So Matt Boswell will have a complete game at game two down at Teagmore. And, of course, they've got that bullpen, which has been good for a couple of years. Mark Calvi's teams have developed this formula, but they've gone from bashing the ball to being more pitching centered. They've always played good defense. They've always been at the top of the league as defenders, but they have been a team that's become a lot more focused on their pitching as opposed to scoring eight to ten runs per game. But I anticipate that being a pretty good series in Georgia State with a chance to make a statement. Yeah, South Alabama came into the weekend, uh, and I, I see they're, they've slipped a little bit, but not enough that I would – they're still in the top three of pitching, hitting, and fielding. Uh, surprisingly, they made a few errors that, that, that may have cost them the game this weekend, but I agree with you. I think South Alabama is able to take that series. Very I, – I, Danny, I, I've not seen a team in a long time that hit the ball that they, the way they did, you know. And for Bo Bonds, what Bo Bonds did – and that game on Saturday was just, no, was it Saturday? No, Friday. Yeah. On Friday night to strike out is that team came in as the hardest team in the league to be, to be struck out and Bo Bonds just ate them up, which is like, it's a pitching performance I hadn't seen before. And when you got Jay and Top talking about maybe that the best pitching performance since Phil Devi, whenever the name Phil Devi comes yeah. up, then you then you kind of get your ears perked up. And to see him do that out of the bullpen and give them a chance to walk it off, it's pretty special. Yeah, I didn't want to go back to last weekend, but man, that was that was special. Uh, we'll we'll skip that game. But Texas State at App State, uh, Texas State goes on the road. Um, you know, I, I guess it. I mean, you know. That weekend that you guys were up there last weekend, it can be cold, it can be windy, you might catch a little chance of snow. Is that something that's, that can play with Texas State? I think you can play with anybody, not just the Bobcats, but when you're the top 20 squad, when you already eclipsed your win total from last year, you've got the bullseye. This is what South and Coastal and other teams at times – have had to deal with and since that just took two or three on the road to get to 500 in conference play they're going back up the mountaintop thinking okay maybe we've got something here they're starting pitching 
is good enough to win them every weekend with Tuthill, with Hamilton, and with Tuish. If they can find a way to hit a little bit, and we found out the metrics last week that that is the most hitter-friendly ballpark in the conference, and it makes sense with <laughs> all, the, all the space you have in the gaps and with the way the wind blows, and it helped App a lot more than it helped Georgia Southern in that series finale. And with Texas State, you simply have to find a way to deal with the elements. They're the, I think Texas State's the better team. Yeah. But you're on the road. You're dealing with things that are out of your control. That's what you've got to be able to negotiate to try to win. Well, as we get a little closer, I'm going to have to check the weather out up there, see what happens. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, that I think, that to me, that you see what I think are the top four teams in the conference right now in Texas State, South Alabama, Georgia Southern, and Coastal in there, all on the road this weekend. So Coastal at Arkansas State, though, again, we talked about it earlier. Arkansas State's playing a little better, but what Arkansas State team, but they're at home. Is that something, again, that Coastal has to look out for? Well, Arkansas State just got to get healthy. They got to get their guys back. I would think that I would think that Toller is back off illness. I would think that Tollett would be ready by next weekend. He did play one of those games in Statesboro unless he just tweaked it to a point where he would not be able to play, but they do have a number of options behind the play with Hager and Tremel. Tremel also plays right field, so they can move him behind the dish. They are not going to be out of games because of their ability to hit. Their situational hitting was very good. They scored a number of runs with two outs in Statesboro this weekend, but they've got to be able to get those final nine outs. Their starters can get them to a point. The bullpen has got to be better for them. And if they get Wiseman back, it's going to help them a lot. Little Rock, Troy. Troy was a team that dominated the Cajuns uh, uh, the previous weekend, two weekends ago. Uh, I'm still not sure what – Little Rock is always an enigma to me what they do, but uh, seem to be playing a little bit with a chip on their shoulder there last year in the Sun Belt is, you know – is that going to be a good weekend series also to look at? Little Rock will have a chance to be everybody because they can hit. They're hitting 315 as a team. They've got a number of guys that can hurt you. But as is the case for Little Rock most years, it's their bullpen. They've got Hayden Arnold as a starter. He's one of the top pitchers in this league. But it always seems that they lack depth. They've got maybe one two guys that they could possibly go to, but they will eventually overuse them, and you're able to get them defensively. They are very hit or miss. They've done some renovations to their ballpark, though. Gary Hogan Field probably looks as good now as it ever has. They've done some work to the outfield wall. Georgia Southern has not been out there in four years. They'll head there in May for their final road trip of the season. But Little Rock is somebody that you could take to win a series every weekend just by how well they hit. If they pitch, look out. If they don't, then the hitting's really not going to matter. Gotcha. A game that if you, when we start a conference play, uh, that if you would have told me they were playing each other, I would have called it the, the Sunbelt Conference pillow fight. But at the same time, these teams are, are starting to gel a little bit in UTA and ULM. Uh, what do you, they're playing in Arlington. I think this is, uh, I think whichever team comes out of this series could really, I won't say jumpstart, but keep their season rolling because I think both teams have played well enough in, in several of their games. Yeah, I think that's a fairly evenly matched series. I would give the slight edge to ULM just because of the experience that they have. Arlington has a bunch of guys that the league doesn't know yet on their offense because they lost so much from that 2021 squad that made the run to the semifinals. 
just because of the experience that ULM has, I would give them a slight edge, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went two of three for Arlington. Good deal. And finally, I think we've covered everything there. Oh, have we? Except for the game that both you and I are interested in the most, Cajuns and Georgia Southern. What What's going to happen there this weekend? So the Cajuns sweep the Eagles. You guys go home. You're not happy. Uh, no, what's happening? That's, I'm, I'm looking forward to the series. Th- these are two teams, although we, we've had limited <clears throat> games because of, you know, different reasons. Uh, this should be a fun series, in my opinion. Two good ball clubs. Our two teams that are playing well right now. It's the limited chance to see each other, but when we've seen each other, they've counted. And yeah. those have been some of the best games that I've ever watched. 21, 19. 17, 16, meeting in the tournament four times, Cajuns winning the title in 16, Eagles thankfully getting those last three victories, but no tournament championships yet. We haven't had the series down there since 2017, so the rosters are entirely different. The Eagles are going to see what it's like to experience a series at Teague Moore Field. They're going to hear center field. They're going to smell the Cajun cooking club. They're going to hear section A. They're going to appreciate everything that Acadiana has to offer, but I also think that Cajun fans are going to get a chance to see a a really solid Georgia Southern team. The record is 17-7, and but this find-a-way philosophy has poked its head in a number of different ways. The offense is constructed in such a way that Rodney Hennon hasn't had to touch it much the last two weeks. You've got guys that have recognized what they can do to have success in certain spots. Starting pitching has improved. Number two starter Ty Fisher is two weeks removed from taking a line drive off of his face. He hasn't given up an earned run in two starts since coming back. Bullpen has been really good with Javon Ray tied for the national lead in victories. Jay Thompson is number two in the conference in saves. These guys are fired up for the next couple of weeks, getting a chance to not just go to Georgia tomorrow to see if they can beat a top 20 team, but in conference play when you go on the road to Teague Field, regardless of where the teams are and what part of the season is, it is always memorable, and we can't wait to be down there. I, I think it's going to be a fun weekend, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I understand that you uh... – I did not realize that you called Jace Conrad's games when he was in the minor leagues. Oh yeah. Oh, how did we, we haven't talked about that. I, 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 we must have, but I just, uh, I was, I was telling Jay, I said, I'd like to have Danny and Colin over Thursday night before the, you know, before we get into the baseball, because we never know what's going to happen after the games or anything. He goes, well, he goes, uh, Dan, uh, Mike Conrad wants to have to, to see Danny. I said, Oh, I said, I didn't know they were in, knew each other and he goes oh yeah I've, Danny I've called Mike, you. Mike for a long time <laughs> yeah I'm going like why well, so it, it's uh, I said we'll invite Mike over too so we're going to figure out what to we're going to ha- probably meet up on uh, Thursday somewhere and hopefully again Saturday after the game if not Friday and I'm not just saying this because this is your podcast and a lot of Cajun fans are going to hear this, but Jace Conrad is one of the toughest players I've ever covered. I only saw him for half of that 2015 season in Bowling Green when he was a first half all-star and then he got promoted, could play anywhere on the field. He was such a positive influence on that dugout and he has one of the best moments I've ever seen. He had a pinch hit, two strike, two out, go ahead, three run inside the park home run to win a game. The, the man can play. He can uh, never had all that together, but he did it against West Michigan back in May of 2015. I'll never forget that. He he's uh, he reminds me a, a little bit uh, of uh, Lenny Dykstra nails 
with with, with Philadelphia. Yeah. He had, he had, he said tough 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 attitude. Uh, no, Jace is a is a fine individual as well. So, um, well, I need to run, Danny. I want to thank you. We'll see each other probably Thursday, if not Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday at the ballpark. Uh, any last words of wisdom? So on anything that we've talked today. I would anticipate this and the next couple of weeks being really big for a lot of teams in this league. And since ours are on a collision course this weekend, um, no joke, we're, we're really looking forward to being down there and it's, it's going to be three really good days. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a series that, that uh, I love the rivalry. I said, we've had some good games, even though it's been a short history. And if, if, uh, I hope both teams play well. I want to see some good baseball. We saw that at the Teague this weekend. And uh, it's just, man, it's just great to have baseball back, quite honestly. <laughs> so, Danny, thank you very much. Like I said, we'll see you this weekend. You've been listening to We're Talking. Craig Malosa and Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Thank you, Danny. You got it, man. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.